Hello and welcome to Army of Crime, the internet's only podcast. On this episode, we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to spend the whole time just talking about a recent uh, 12-issue comic book series called A Walk Through Hell by Garth Ennis and Goran Sajuka. Uh, and we felt it just worked better as a standalone. There's really nothing you could pair with it. It's, it's pretty dark. Pretty dark stuff. Yeah, it's a very dark series, and there's kind of a lot of different angles to uh, tackle it from. And I believe now it is currently out in trade paperback as well, if you want to jump into it. Yes, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be have been released in two six-issue trade paperbacks, and undoubtedly a 12-issue collecting the whole series will be coming at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, so, and I think we're both uh, big fans of all the people who made this comic, and I think the subject matter is also really fascinating. It's Garth Ennis had kind of said that it was his take on uh, Donald Trump in the Trump era, so to speak, which for him, and is, which is interesting to look at it through that lens when, when and we'll get into it. But so that is going to be the topic of. Uh, today's episode, A Walk Through Hell. I'm not even sure how you would even introduce this. This is a comic book series um, that ostensibly starts with two FBI agents walking into a warehouse. And then a lot of other things happen from there. Yeah, so the, the starting premise is yeah, you have the, the two protagonists are these FBI agents named Shaw and McGregor. And they there's a sort of mysterious warehouse that two other FBI agents went into and then disappeared from. And then a SWAT team went in to look after them and the SWAT team immediately like retreated back out and all like uh, killed each other in a mass suicide because they were so horrified of what they saw in the warehouse. And then our two heroes, uh, Shaw and McGregor, go into the warehouse to try to find what happened to these two missing FBI agents. Though the mass suicide happens right after they enter, so they are unaware of really the true ramifications of what's going on here. And as they go into the warehouse, they start to realize that what's happening in the warehouse is connected to a recent case that they were involved with involving a child a serial killer slash pedophile who was sort of like this incredibly horrible evil person that they had investigated recently and were trying to catch. Yeah, and it's there was a lot of thoughts that I have on this and I found it to actually be very effective so I, I liked it a lot I yeah thought it I thought this good. yeah I thought it was great I loved it did you love it though <laughs> it's I mean it's it's a hard thing to love because it's it's so, it goes to so many like dark places it's really like genuinely creepy and disturbing deeply unsettling deeply yes. unsettling would be the the pull quote that I would put on it so it, it fits into there's a there's an angle I want to talk about with this. And Garth Ennis is a guy who's written a lot of things that are very violent and have a lot of 
let's call it outrageous content in it, right? He wrote he, Preacher. He wrote The Boys. He wrote early Hellblazer. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that he's written. So he's kind of known for pushing the envelope. And what's interesting is you don't get a ton of that in here. And I think it's more effective because of that. I think there's something culturally now where, and they actually use this term in here, like a pornography of violence. Um, there's a point in here where McGregor says something like, I'm sick of hearing about all this like vile pornographic stuff. And right now, I mean, if you think of how many serial killer related things come out entertainment wise right now, it seems a little absurd on some level, you know, yeah. and true, true crime is the biggest, I think the biggest podcast genre, or one of them is true crime where you just, you know, people uh, like to hear about murders and things, awful things that happen people to other people. Wikipedia pages on, and then record it and insert jokes. Yeah, so culturally, there's something about just violence and just awful things, and, and everybody wants to hear and see about it. And I will admit, you know, I'm just some random guy on the internet. It does seem a little weird on some level, right, that we're all so mired into just so much violent content. I'm not like a censorship person by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not going to say like it's ruining all the kids or something, but I think it is noteworthy that that's where our culture seems to be at well yeah i mean and i am also a person who is a fan of some of that stuff like the show mindhunter i'm a big fan of it's on netflix and it's also but it's when you're talking about you know this is a comic that's very concerned with the current cultural moment and you're talking about like media and violence and i think the comic is definitely in conversation with that stuff I would also say that it's also in conversation with like real life uh, violent incidents like mass shootings. Like the very first thing that happens in this comic is there's like a mass shooting in a mall where, um, so in this comic, so there's this thing that Garth Ennis and Goran Suzuka do where they will like leave you on sort of a cliffhanger at the bottom of a page and then you turn the page and there's like a full splash page of a horrific and disturbing act of violence where it's almost like they're like rubbing your face in things that are like horrific. So the, the, I think the second or third page of this comic is someone shooting a baby in the face with a gun, like in a mass shooting, you know, you might say that it's like exploited exploitative or like over the top in the way that you had mentioned, like other Garth Ennis comics will sort of like gleefully, indulge in this sort of stuff but it feels different than that it, it it's more like in conversation with things that happen in real life yeah and, and, and i think talking... he he throughout the comic i think he effectively places these disturbing images in ways that make them genuinely shocking like he doesn't like numb you to it even though there's so much horrific a lot of it is just things people talking about it so when there is a horrific image it is shocking, you know, in a way. Like, there are a, a few of these, like, full splash page images of things happening to characters and stuff like that, and it's they, they're they usually, like, really effective. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. What gonna yeah, what I was going to say was I don't think that's what he's doing here because I think he's intentionally leaving some of it in your mind. You talk about the mass shooting at the beginning. It doesn't show the person literally being shot. It, it actually... I mean, you see what's happening, right? 
but it doesn't go straight into the the gore of it. And like compared to the content that's happening in it, like the things that are being discussed, it's relatively toned down. He could have shown you a lot more, but he places the sort of shock moments very carefully throughout. And I think it's an intentional effort to both still shock an unshockable audience, but without going headfirst into the, the, you know, quote unquote, like pornography of violence. He's not just gleefully reveling in it because he does want you to think about it. And he still manages to shock an audience that's unshockable. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Because it's not just about look at all this awful stuff that's happening. Isn't that interesting? You know, he, he really does go into some stuff here. And like I said, it's deeply unsettling both from the content. And there's a lot of things that get discussed that it doesn't show you. There was little pieces that it does show you that are disturbing enough. And then thematically, he's trying to grapple with some more complex topics that Garth Ennis does not always, I think, get credit for grappling with. It actually reminded me a lot of From Hell in a number of ways. I could see that. Yeah, because it's sort of like a a portrait of a society and of a culture and uses these like um violent events of this uh of serial killer to sort of like comment on the wider um culture because you know as hacky as the phrase is a walk through hell is a kind of about you know the way we live now in the modern world and it uh it actually i think gets at that in a way that's like really interesting it reminded i was reminded recently and this is like a pretty random comparison, but I, mean, I read a comic book that was called uh, Lois Lane, number one, by Greg Rucka and drawn by some guy whose name I don't remember. Okay. And I felt like this comic was pretty dumb and pretty hacky. And in it, uh, Greg Rucka has Lois Lane, like, arguing with a clear, like, fictional stand-in for Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And she's like basically like uh, sticking it to the fictional DC universe president who I guess is supposed to be like Donald Trump. And then at the end she gets like uh, thrown out of a press conference, like a real reporter was thrown out of a Trump press conference. And the, the, at the end of the story, it's called Lois Lane, enemy of the people echoing, uh, echoing like Trump's phrase for the press. And this to me felt like very like obvious and very like hacky way to like sort of tie a story into modern events. Whereas in, and obviously these are very different things, but this thought popped into my mind of like, how do you write a comic book that's about, you know, the modern world and the horrors of the modern world? And do you do it in like a dumb, hacky, obvious way that Greg Rucker would do? Or do you do it like Garth Ennis does in this comic, where it's not so much about specific, like recalling specific incidents or like specific people. Like Trump is mentioned by name several times, but never like really directly related to the story. It's more just about the horrors of the world and the violence and the degradation and the dehumanization that goes on in the world and sort of the institutional forces at work that sort of protect it and hide it and like sweep it under the rug. And then of course it gets into the, like a theological question where I guess I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, it's called a walk through hell and it's very specific. Like hell is 
meant very specifically like in a Christian or like biblical sense in the fact that the the villain you quickly surmise may or may not be, you know, the devil or the antichrist or Satan or something like that. So it like gets at this like larger uh, epic like sense of evil in a cap with a capital E instead of just like directly, you know, poking at, you know, specific like modern things anyway, if that makes sense. Yeah, because Garth Ennis clearly has a very low opinion of our president, Donald J. Trump. And that comes through in here, but it's not just something about like, oh, this is a thing I'm going to use to make fun of Donald Trump, because that's yeah. the low that's the low hanging fruit out of all the things wrong with the world. You know, that's the symptom. That's the background noise, which is essentially what he uses it as here. Yeah. And I had the other interesting thought that with the preponderance of detective and cop shows in our universe, that this is in some ways like a meta detective story. It's like a detective story boiled down to basic elements because we very quickly, you learn who the killer is, you know what they did more or less. You have the detectives trying to solve a crime sort of, but we take out a lot of the, the plot points moving around, like the plot gears grinding in the background to move everybody around. It's like the detectives just walk into a place and then we kind of learn what's going on from them. But the case was already over when the thing starts. You know, the perpetrator is already has is already known. It's like a detective story where you take out basically all of the extraneous elements and you just have detectives looking at the state of society, which is actually a very noir thing, right? Because noir is about a corrupt society. Right. Which is, again, what it made me think of From Hell, because that's kind of what Alan Moore does in From Hell is have a mystery story that's also a mystery about society. And I think we hear we have like a meta detective story, right? It's like a detective story that throws away everything you don't need for the story to function. There's no like finding clues, right? There's no we're going to go around and interview suspects. We don't bother seeing, you know, the characters on all their we do get into their background and their life stories, but not in like a detective way. We're like, oh, I'm sad. I'm going to go talk to a stripper in that kind of plot details that that we churn through in like a detective thing. It made me think of, I'm saying the word detective a lot. It made me also think of the HBO show True Detective, which kind of does that where you're like a story and we're really looking into some kind of deeper rot under society. But within something like True Detective, even though you are trying to get at some bigger thematic context, you still get a lot of the grinding away the plot details. Yeah. And, and in here, I mean, you is... just he just cuts a lot of that out. There is still some of it because it's, it is still a story. It's not like it's just a bunch of people in a room talking to each other, but he cuts out a lot of it. So you really just get down to the, the very bare bones of it, right? We don't need to find the killer. We don't need to solve the case or whatever. It, it's like reduced to just a plus B equals. Well, yeah. I mean, there is some of that stuff that you see in like flashback, but ultimately it's a story about evil and about like God and about the end of the world, basically. And it's yeah. about the the coming horrors of the 21st century, which you can see in not only like the mass shooting, but then there's like these like snippets, you know, peppered throughout about like things that like Trump will say or like attitudes among like people, you know, like there's a part where there's like a TV on that's about like a, a, you know, a Black Lives Matter protest. And there's some guy in a diner who's like, 
you know, well, we should just like shoot them all. That'll sort them out like that kind of thing. You know, like it's about the, um, you know, just like the decay of society and about how, you know, at, at one point the, the villain who describes himself, I mean, there are a lot of these like direct, like biblical references. The, the villain at one point describes himself like as a herald of the coming horrors of the 21st century. And his name is Paul. And he uh, talks about how, you know, the mass suicide of the SWAT team is because he just he uh, gave them like a glimpse of if you think about what would, what would it, it would be like to witness in a concentrated like five minute burst the horrors of the 20th century he gave them the equivalent of the 21st century and they all decided to commit a mass suicide rather than continue to live in that world it's you know about the world that's coming and the horrors of it and the way that these various institutions and people have you know served in their own like selfish ways or in their own ways where they're like wanting it to come have helped it or stepped aside and like allowed it to to enter into the world yeah it's pretty bleak and most of the characters can be divided into the category of people who are ineffective or people who played along on some level. Well, even the main character ends up being someone who played along with it unwillingly. And I think that's part of what it gets into is this like institutional rot. And you have a main character who is an FBI agent who plays by her own set of rules and doesn't do things by the book. But that, like, uh, behavior and tendency towards violence, and I won't, like, spoil any major plot points, causes her to unwillingly play along with bringing this uh, evil into the world. Which actually is another good thing that I think Ennis does here is it's very clearly set up as this big existential threat to all of us, like the things that are happening in the story. And he gives us characters, and we watch the characters go through this. And he he sets up this atmosphere where you don't know what they're gonna do about it, right? Because I remember reading this, and I'm like, what are they gonna do? What, what like what could they even? What actions could they even take? And I think he actually walks a very nice balance where you still want them to do something, but it becomes clear that like true evil, perhaps it's too much for any one person to do something about. Like if it comes down to just one person to fix it, then it's already too late. Well, it's like if you look at the modern state of the world, you know, what do you do about it? Yeah, there's civil war in all sorts of countries, people starving to death, human trafficking. Mass shootings like every other day, people being put, you know, into camps and it goes on and on and on. Yeah, and it actually made me think, not to get too depressing here, for I think this is probably our probably our most depressing episode if you look at like the jeffrey epstein case who, yeah yeah who's this guy who's essentially a professional rapist who got away with stuff for decades on account of him being rich and famous uh, i mean i don't know if he's famous but he has famous people you know on his speed dial and that's the world we live in and that's the world that garth ennis is trying to tell us about in a 12 issue comic series which sounds like an impossible task but I think he does a really good job. And you know what's interesting is another segue. I was kind of poking around on the internet, and this thing actually got a lot of mixed reviews. And I think a lot of people didn't know what to expect going into it. I mean, I guess that doesn't 
surprise me because I feel like a lot of comic book readers are morons and, you know, something that doesn't fit directly into the normal, like, action-adventure framework that you expect from a floppy comic book. I could see people not gelling with it because, I mean, A Walk Through Hell, I mean, I guess the title is very appropriate because it is about people walking through hell and they and it's about, like, coming to an understanding of the horrors that are approaching us in the 21st century and how, uh, you know, like there's a character in the comic who uh, witnesses the, uh, the the phrase that's used is the, I believe is the place that ghosts take children um, because he is basically forced to witness all of these, uh, what happens to all of these like dead children that were like killed by this, you know, speaking of Jeffrey Epstein, like a connected serial killer slash like pedophile ring of sorts that's sort of like hinted at and yeah. the char- character literally never stops killing himself because he's so horrified yeah and the comic does an interesting thing of not really telling you what exactly happened to them because whatever you can imagine is terrible enough it doesn't try and overwhelm you with details he actually just kind of sketches it out and then your mind goes to a dark place and and it actually weirdly like gives you a plausible real world explanation at one point for what could be going on. So it's like it's both like like a literal walk through hell with like Satan as your guide, or it's you know an elaborate like crime taking place in an actual warehouse somewhere in California. It actually like gives you uh, like multiple explanations of what might be going on and kind of allows you to pick. But ultimately, that's not really what's you know, the big issue here. Yeah. And we could talk about the art because the art is very effective. And in fact, there's a whole cathedral aesthetic for like the second half of the story where they're kind of standing. Because a lot of it is people just standing around trying to talk through stuff. And it takes there's a part that takes place inside like a giant um, cathedral. And there's like this creepy purple lighting, dark purple lighting to it. So the art is very is very effective. We didn't really talk about the art at all. We've been kind of talking about the story, but... Yeah, you know, one thing I would say, yeah, there's a story in the comic about uh, these two Nazi officers in World War II talking about Notre Dame Cathedral and how the cathedral is basically with all these, like, goblins and demons and, like, sharp corners and the sorts of, like, you know, it's like a cathedral is built to depict all of the horrible things that will happen if we don't listen to the church in terms of like going to hell and like the the nazis are talking about like we should have something like that and so yeah the second half of the book takes place inside this cathedral um sort of like a cathedral of the mind kind of one thing i would say about the r2 is um and i know this is kind of a stupid term but it it, uh, a lot of it is kind of like realistic and it's uh, like shown in a at like eye level with these very consistent like panel structures that kind of like give you a sort of um like straightforward like look into the the world that this is happening in which i then think becomes extremely effective when you turn the page and you see these like full like uh, splash page like images of like terror and violence like by by like uh you know, like setting down a quote-unquote like realistic aesthetic, I think it makes 
these moments of terror are much more effective rather than if this had been drawn by like another Garth Ennis collaborator like, you know, John McRae or like a Derek Robertson or something where, where someone who's maybe more attuned to that kind of like violence and would give you sort of like a darker, you know, like looser like style. I think the way that Gore and Suzuka kind of like, you know, is able to effectively ground this in the real world, not only with, you know, the figure work, but with the panel structure and with the angles that he chooses to depict things ends up making those like moments of horrific violence or like the depictions of this like ghostly cathedral that much more creepy. Yeah, I think the art falls into the unfortunate category where sometimes something seems kind of effortless and then it might go unmentioned or unnoticed. But the art is actually very good and it, it, it is somewhat effortless because he's just trying to walk you through it. And that's, like you mentioned, probably the most effective way of doing it. Yeah, it's not like virtuosic and, you know, like a, if like Jim Lee was drawing this or something, but it's very effective for the story that they're wanting to tell. Another thing I wanted to mention is that like, and I feel like this is another Garth Ennis thing, in this comic, there's like a, one of the characters like goes on a rant about like um, identity politics, which is a little weird. But yeah, like, that's kind of a. He also incorporates Ireland. We we mentioned Ireland in it. I mean, yeah, Garth of, he, he he has these kind of interests from his own life or experiences that he threads into stuff usually. Yeah, because in the comic, he basically uh, portrays. You know, like at some point, I was worried that he was like getting into like both sidesism with like the left and the right, basically. But I think his point is basically that maybe the left is too, you know, involved in trying to find like moral high ground or like sorting out identity politics, um, which I don't know is not something that I probably would necessarily agree with. But he does give voice to that idea um, in this comic, but he thankfully doesn't like follow it all the way as to he doesn't really dwell on it well yeah and he doesn't really try to suggest that like you know the horrors of the modern world are because of that like a like a both sides kind of thing it's more just like giving mouth to or putting these words into the mouth of a character who's sort of like your uh you know hard-boiled badass police detective character um which is a thing that he this is, it reminded me, there's a Punisher comic that Garth Ennis also wrote where it has two police characters where one of them is like a woman who is a, a, a hard-boiled badass who doesn't care. And then the other one is like a gay man. This seems to be, for whatever reason, is a, a pairing of police detectives that Garth Ennis finds like interesting to, to explore like the interplay uh, between their personalities. Do I hadn't even actually thought of that, but yeah, that's from his uh, Punisher Max. Yeah, which I mean, and I can see why. It be, I mean, it is interesting in this comic, like the the interplay between these two characters. Though you can obviously tell the the one the character where his uh, sympathies lie is the main character named Shaw, who's the woman who's like does things by her own you know rules. Though as I said before, that like tendency of her to be the um, hard-boiled badass sort of unwittingly plays into the larger abetting of evil into the world 
And that's the character trait that in a lot of detective stories or like cop stories, you're just like, this is the cool person. And then that's the the beginning and end of it. And here we actually do see a glimpse of her backstory. And we do know, you know, she has some issues and stuff. And there, it's not just she's the cool one, which right. is I feel like how that usually plays out in a lot of things. Right. So on a side note, do you not like Greg Rucka? Not really. That's interesting. So, I, I do like okay. Greg Rucka. I like Greg Rucka. I, there's a lot of things he's written. I liked his Punisher run. I liked his... He recently did a, a stretch on Wonder Woman that I like. Let me ask you this. Do you think that when I tell you that Lois Lane argues with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, when you hear that, are you like, man, that is some clever topical stuff? It feels like low-hanging fruit. I haven't read it, but that, that's like that low-hanging fruit that I think Garth Ennis avoids here. Because, you know, in 20 years, unless something particularly unhistorical or bizarre happens donald trump will be a footnote or a trivia question and all of this media that we made while he was president will still be around and the stuff where people are arguing with his press secretary will no longer seem relevant whereas a walk through hell will unfortunately probably still be relevant yeah. Now, I haven't read it, and like I said, I do actually like with the question, too. Well, maybe you would enjoy it then, but I thought it was rather obvious and hacky and dumb. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's that low-hanging fruit. Like, we're going to make fun of Donald Trump, and then everyone will feel better about themselves that Garth Ennis intentionally avoids here because he's after the bigger picture. Did you find the uh, overt, like, biblical parallels effective, or was that, like, a little too on the nose? I did, and... To be honest, as I get older, I find Garth Ennis's whole religion is dumb and I don't like it shtick somewhat less interesting. I don't know how I would feel if I reread Preacher, but I think in here he lays it out in a way that I still thought was effective. Yeah, so I, I didn't mind it. I, I thought it made help make his overall point and the way he goes about it. I don't want to go into all the things because I try and not spoil stuff so people might actually go out and read the thing if they haven't read it but i am a person who i find as i get older i kind of gloss over some of his stuff where he just complains about religion i thought this still worked is what i'm saying that he doesn't do that here i think this still worked it is obvious but he's setting up like a grand narrative it's definitely a lot more nuanced than like in preacher where it's just kind of like lol god is dumb Right, and that's what I appreciated about it, is he is setting up a grand narrative, and there is some some complex thought behind it. Yeah. So a walk through hell, if you want to feel uh, mildly ill while reading something, definitely give it a go. It's the uh, feel-bad comic of the year. Yeah, it's extremely well-made. It's deeply unsettling. So what did people not like about it in the reviews that you read? I just, I looked through a lot of reviews, and a lot of people were just saying it was mixed, and they felt like it didn't go anywhere that kind of thing i think people were thrown off by that as i mentioned where you cut out a lot of the actual plot elements of a detective story because a lot of the actual detective work in this i made quote marks in the air when i said detective work happens in flashbacks or like off screen yeah or a lot happens off screen or sometimes or sometimes they mention something and then they later show it in a flashback and i think people were i think some people were maybe thrown by the the fact that it really isn't a standard sort of cop thing and if you knew it was about two fbi agents doing something maybe you were thrown by that 
it almost starts as like a punchline to a joke. It's like two FBI agents walk into a warehouse, which I think is one of the taglines for it I've seen somewhere. And I think people maybe were thrown because it is Garth Ennis and they're used to just him throwing a lot of ridiculous stuff in your face, which he uses a lot of restraint, which sounds weird when you talk about all the terrible things that happen in it. But compared to all the things he could have had happen or that he could have shown you, he uses a fairly admirable level of restraint you know and people think garth ennis they think like you said preacher or the boys is the the show that just came out on amazon prime where superheroes are like doing cocaine and you know throwing people out of airplanes or whatever and i believe garth ennis himself even said that i think it was the boys that was his response to george w bush and he said that a walk through hell was his response to uh donald j trump and i think as a response to Donald J. Trump, the horrible president, it's actually like really well done and really nuanced and actually really effective in a way, in ways that just having like a fictional character stick it to him would not be. Do you want the last thought on a walk through hell? It's kind of a downer. I mean, you don't oh, feel great when you finish reading it. I mean, I found it to be very effective at what I was trying to do, which is to make you feel terrible about the world. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I said that I Which might it. not be everyone's cup of tea. If if you feel bad enough about the world already, I don't know. I mean, it, it is really well made. I mean, if you want to put like, a, if you were to put like a content warning on it, it's like, you know, child murder, pedophilia, graphic violence, sexual abuse, rape. Suicide. Suicide. It goes on and on. It's, it's, uh pretty horrific in its way and pretty horrifying but also extremely well made and extremely effective and dare i say extremely good as a comic book yeah yeah and it really shows the kind of stories you can tell with a comic in a 12 issue miniseries yeah you know the fact that this was existing on the shelf next to lots of other you know action adventure floppy books is is really interesting cuz even though when you have this is sort of unrelated, but when you talk about a lot of like, you know, uh, comic books that may or they may not actually be like superhero comics, but I, a lot of them will still exist in the framework of like a action adventure story, except now it's like Peter Pan in World War Two or like vampires fighting, you know, aliens or, you know, like wh whatever it is. And this um, is not that. Anyway, a walk through hell, it's good. And it'll make you feel bad. It's the it's good and it will make you feel terrible. Do you have a recommendation for us? Boy, do I. Uh, yeah, I was going to recommend another horror comic written by Garth Ennis, which I thought was really good. It's called Caliban. Have you read this, Matt? Yes, that was actually going to be my recommendation. Basically, it's Garth Ennis giving a spin on the movie Alien in a roundabout sort of way, and he uses some body horror elements. It is more of a genre thing than something like A Walk Through Hell, so it probably fits on that shelf of floppy books you mentioned a little better, but... It's like a hard science fiction horror story. Yeah, it's like Garth Ennis does Alien. 
I think Garth Ennis is really underrated as a writer, which maybe doesn't make sense because he has all these TV shows coming out and he probably has a giant bank account now. But I think he too often gets billed as the guy who writes outrageous things. Yeah, it is weird that Garth Ennis isn't like, I don't know. I feel like he needs to be, he should be like talked about more. Like whenever you go on Twitter and people are talking about comic books, like everyone's, you know, tripping over themselves to praise like Tom King writing Batman or whatever. But, you know, like this comic was on, you know, like these comics that Garth Ennis is putting out through like various non big two publishers or like a lot of them are really well done. He did like a, World War II uh, fighter plane comic, which is another one of his pet interests is fighter planes, called Johnny Red, uh, which was fantastic. He's out there doing the work, people. Yeah, and it maybe doesn't make sense to even call him underage because obviously he's very successful. But I do feel like he doesn't get maybe as much critical attention as he probably deserves. You know, his run on Hellblazer is probably one of my favorite storylines about 40 issues i own all of hellblazer and that's i would say really good stuff from like the early 80s that was like the beginning of his career well my recommendation will then shift to garth ennis's run on hellblazer which i believe they just came out in some shiny new trade paperbacks that collect the whole thing for the first time that'll be my recommendation then Well, that's our show. You can find us on all of the things. Uh, I am at Army of Crime on Twitter. We have website armyofcrime.com where we try and post all the links to stuff. If you want to leave a review, that would be great, and we would super-duper appreciate it. Dustin is on Twitter at Dustin4444. You can get us on all the podcatchers that I'm aware of. Are we on all the podcatchers? I think we are. I mean, you, you found Probably. us. You're listening to us. so You can write us a letter. You could write us a letter, put it in the mail. Just put care of Minneapolis, Minnesota, Dustin Riccio. Maybe it'll get here. I feel like we should end on a positive, uplifting message since we went through so much darkness here. Like, would it kill you to be to be nice to people sometimes? Remember, kids, keep on walking through hell. Oh, wait, that's not what you were going for. Yeah. You know what? Let me just say, it doesn't cost anything extra to be nice. Yeah, just be nice to people. You know what? Like, give people the benefit of the doubt. Give, give them, if you see a homeless guy, like, you know, you have a dollar, give him a dollar. You might say, well, he's probably going to waste it. Well, what were you going to do with it? That was so great. Even be nice to Greg Rucka. I'm sure I he's mean, a nice guy. You don't have to be nice to Greg Rucka. He doesn't really deserve it. You know what Greg Rucka basically reminds me of? He's like a resistance wine mom writing a comic book. I feel like that seems really harsh. Well, I just got through saying nice things- to everyone. Sometimes things are harsh, but they're also true. So maybe we should plan these out further in advance. What?